This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I'm MPB Think Radio. This is Now You're Talking. It's the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I am editor-at-large with Mississippi Today. You can go to MississippiToday.org, check out my cartoons, and a lot of great reporting as well. Well, tis the season to be thankful. Lost between Halloween and Christmas comes the holiday known as Thanksgiving. Uh, but many are struggling this year to have enough to be thankful for. And Stupot always does a great job filling that need. And we have its executive director, the amazing, the Reverend Jill Barnes-Buckley, is here joining us today to tell us how Stupot is stepping up to help those in need. Of course, if you want to be part of the conversation today, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877 Seven four six four. You can always drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. We might even read it. You never know. Uh, before we get to Jill, of course, can't wait to talk to Jill. Java and I are going to be discussing this weekend's important events. Java, you know, you and I were just joking about that with Jill. That, that like, what did we do this weekend? I don't remember. And I mean, yeah, I did a lot. You have to rake your brain. <laughs> it's called, as, as my wife likes to call it, mommy brain. You know, it's called having kids, you know, and you tend to forget things. But you and I both did a little bit of football action this weekend, went to games, and that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I, I made my way over to Veterans Memorial Stadium. Jackson State pulled out another great win. Um, it was actually high school and community college day. Sweet. So hopefully we got some, had some future Tigers uh, in attendance at the game. But, uh, yeah, we blew out uh, Texas Southern by 20 points, So, and we are 8-1, and one, so I'm happy. <laughs> I tell you what, the uh, Deion Sanders experiment has paid off well. And by yeah. the way, was he at the game? Did he? I mean, because I know he's been sick. Yeah, no, I, um, I don't think he was at the game. Um, uh, I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think it's, it's something with his foot. He has some type of surgery because he's been riding around like on a big scooter oh, okay. um, uh, for, for a while. But I think the doctors told him you have to like sit down. I wonder if he had that <laughs> Aflac policy that he always talks about with uh, Nick with Saban. Yeah, those the commercials. Co- those commercials are cool. I, I like seeing him and Nick Saban. Yeah, it kind uh, of livens Nick Saban up a little bit. You know, yeah, that so, is true. Yeah, because he's pretty dry, he's a pretty dry guy <laughs> as well. The Travis Scott concert, and I know you do a lot of stuff in the entertainment world, and that, that is scary when you think about. Of course, eight people died; they were trampled to death. The oldest was thirty, and the youngest was fourteen. And yeah. you know, you get fifty thousand people like that moving, and they were all rushing the stage and the concert continued and and i don't know if it was on his part he just didn't quite grasp what was going on on that but i know we saw that with the tennessee uh old miss game game, you know you had a hundred thousand people and you had a handful of people throwing stuff but still when you get a crowd that big and it gets out of control you're like in a big trouble yeah that's the thing about i guess it's just crowd control and understanding the magnitude of the amount of people that are going to be, you know, at any particular uh, area. I, I kind of, it's an impossible position for uh, the artist Travis Scott to yeah. be in. I mean, it was his festival, Astro World, but it's just, you know, you're on stage performing you know, these things need to be taken care of beforehand. Right. So you won't have to have those in the moment, which are really hard to pinpoint 
you know, type of actions. Well, I'm so old. I remember the uh, when the Who had trampling back in the 70s. It was uh-huh. the, it was like several people died. When on was that. this? It was know. in the it was in the early 70s, like 1973, I think. I may be wrong, but you know, I was really young. But that was the last time I remember something like that happened in a concert, and yeah. here it happened again. And you know, now you would think that well, we've learned, and you know, all these years later, we know how to do security better. So. Um, I don't know. My, definitely the prayers go out to the family. I think it was like 25 were injured and hospitalized. And there were people that were having heart attacks, and then they were dropping and being trampled. Yeah. I, um, my wife, she's <laughs> on uh, a Twitter a lot, and people were, you know, kind of live tweeting, just trying to get yeah. any assistance because it was, especially in the moment, yeah. it was it was pretty horrific. Yeah, pretty scary. And yeah. seeing that video is it just is, is chilling as well. Reading a really good book right now, I just want to give it a quick shout out. It's called Dear William, A Father's Memoir of Addiction, Recovery, Loss, and Love and Loss. It's by David McGee, who lives up in Oxford. And David is uh, he's, he's a really good guy. And I'll tell you a little bit about him real quick. He's executive director of the Institute of Advancement at the University of Mississippi. It's a role he started after helping create and launch the William McGee Center for Wellness Education at the university, named after his late son, William, who, that's dear William on that, who died of an overdose, which is every parent's nightmare. And here's a young man who was an honor student, ran Track at Ole Miss, had everything in the world going for him, great family and everything else, but got addicted to drugs and then, of course, ended up having an overdose. But David, David writes a really powerful narrative about his own life. And he's very raw and very honest about it. Folks, I got to tell you, it's 256 pages. I literally sat down and almost got all the way through it in one shot last night until I finally fell asleep. But it is such a very powerful book. And it's one that I think parents, particularly the kids, and I know I've got teenagers that that I needed to read this because it made me realize I need to get my own stuff together. You know, because at the end of the day, Jill and I were talking a little bit about They've got a fantastic fourth grader, and we're talking about kids and how do they learn and everything like that. Well, a lot of times kids learn by watching you, and, you know, it's it's amazing. But the book is Dear William, A Father's Memoir of Addiction, Recovery, Love, and Loss by David McGee. Get a chance to get it. They, of course, obviously have it at all the great bookstores all across the state of Mississippi. But David's a good guy, and maybe sometime we can get him on the show and talk to him a little bit about this. But just an incredibly powerful book and one that um, I haven't read a book in this long that I just absolutely um, – I cried during it. Um, it grabbed my heart. It grew my heart, uh, which that doesn't happen. A lot of people say I don't even have a heart. So it, it's pretty <laughs> amazing. On. So anyway, that was that was uh, that's the book I wanted to recommend. A big fan of David's work. He's written several biographies of business leaders and has been a columnist and as well and an entrepreneur up in Oxford. Uh, just a kind of an interesting guy to so, so it's a good read to kind of hear about Oxford in the eighties and nineties also as well. So that was good. And Friday. Friday, I had the most surreal, out-of-body, weird experience. I'm still expecting people to tell me that it was a dream. But I ended up on a stage in front of hundreds of women with Jenna Bush Hager, the granddaughter of George H.W. and Barbara Bush, the daughter of George W. Bush, and, of course, the correspondent on the Today Show. Um, And it was like I was being greeted by an old friend when I got up on the stage. She was so glad to see me, which I didn't expect. But and I'll tell you a little bit of the backstory. Three years ago, when her grandparents died, I did a cartoon that went super viral about her grandmother. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not talking. Oh yeah, it went viral. No, it went like the Washington Post. It was the number one story on their website for three days. 
all the networks used it. I was on CNN. I was on Fox and Friends. I mean, I was on a lot of different things. I had Savannah Guthrie saying, that Marshall Ramsey is faith and motherhood and the sweetest thing ever. My wife's like going, you know, on that. But, <laughs> but it was just so surreal. But it was literally what happened was when when Barbara Bush was taken off a of treatment for COPD, my mother had just died of that. So I knew when they said that, it's like, well, she's not going to be around much longer. And I started thinking about her life. And here she had lost a child, mm-hmm. right? Which here she had everything in the world, right? Pearls, platform, why, you know, husband was a president, son was a president, son was a governor, granddaughter in the Today Show. I mean, just a very successful human being. But she had suffered the worst loss that any parent could ever fathom of, lo- of losing. They lost a child, right? So I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about their daughter, Robin, who had died in the early 50s from leukemia, which you can imagine now is hard enough on a parents. But the Bushes tried everything because here they did have money, family money at least, and they could go and try to get help. But they couldn't save her. And she died. And so and according to Jenna, this little girl literally became the center of the family, this this hurt. It was like having a splinter stuck in your finger. You know, it was that long-term pain that they suffered. And so when I thought of that idea was the exact moment that George W. Bush was talking to his mother about Robin. So I caught literally lightning in a bottle in this cartoon. And then, of course, when George H.W. Bush died, I did a similar cartoon, the kind of a bookend to it, and it also went viral. I mean, I even had CNN picking me up at my house in a limousine. Uh, SUV, which was really surreal. Trust me. I mean, that never will ever happen to me ever in a million years. So anyway, the Junior League of Jackson, who I'm convinced should run state government because if they did, we would be number one in all the The categories. (laughs) Oh, they are very efficient. They have a plan and they act on it and it works. Mistletoe is a giant engine. It raises a million dollars for for all the good things that they do in the community every year. And it, it is one of the most well-run, oiled machines I've ever seen. So we go into the Coliseum, which you've been in the Coliseum. It's like being inside of a beer can, right? You know, it's <laughs> a, got that same ambiance. And they have totally conformed it or con- changed it. I, I get the right word here because it's Monday and my brain's not working. But they totally changed it with lights and Christmas trees and pretty tables and curtains and a little runway. And they had a fashion show. I mean, I just sat in this place a few months earlier with my son's graduation. Could not even told you I was in the same place. And so the Junior League invited me to, to be kind of a surprise for Jenna because she has said several nice things about me in books that she's written and on television. Um, I remember we were down on the Gulf Coast watching Hootie and the Blowfish. And uh, we turned on the TV. It was like it was D-Day, I think, uh, back a couple of years ago. And Jenna's and Willie guys are like, Oh, look at this cartoon from Marshall Ramsey. He's amazing. I so love Marshall Ramsey. My wife's like, and I'm going, oh, not again. Not it's like, can you get away from yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, no, not again. <laughs> but it was so, I mean, it, I didn't know how she was going to react. It was, it'd been kind of like if I got up there and she was like, who's this? You know, I was just, that's what I kind of figured might happen. But it's like I stepped out there and she just lit up. She was like, oh. Oh, yeah, you made an impact on that oh, whole family, man. Amazing. Well, they, I mean, I literally have a stack, and I'm holding my hands up about maybe three inches tall, uh, since this is radio, a visual medium, um, about three inches tall thank you notes from the family. I mean, they just all, they were very gracious and kind. But so I, I go out there, she's just lighting up, and I'm waving, and she's waving. And, and so I think I was supposed to have about three minutes, but it, because they had run a little bit short, Aaron Pickens uh, from WAPT did the questioning for most of the interview and did a fantastic job. 
Uh, so I'm sitting there. I have no script, which, you know, I'm generally better without a script, to be honest with you. But I mean, I had no script. And I just looked at her and she started, I noticed she's got a tear no. coming out of her face. I'm like, oh, great. I'm making Jenna Bush Hager cry. <laughs> great. You know, so, and so I just said, well, I just want to let everybody in the room know I have a long history of making women cry. And it was just like everybody died <laughs> laughing and it set things off. And But I tell you what was so cool about Java, it wasn't just the fact that, you know, we had that great time on the stage. And I was able to tell her that not only did the cartoon, you know, I was glad it touched the family and that made a big difference. But what was really cool was the fact I started hearing from other parents who'd lost children. And they didn't just say, oh, your cartoon meant a lot to me. It was like, I have hope I'm going to see my child again. And let me tell you about my child. So, I mean, literally, I got over a thousand emails and letters because driven all around the country on that. It was it was really incredible. And so I was able to tell her in person how much that whole experience changed me and made me realize that we're all artists and can make a difference in everybody's life. So it was um, I, I walked out and, Amy, and my wife, Amy, was there and and Amy, I long time released her from ever having to go to anything I ever do. Because um, we've been married 28 years. She has heard my jokes so many times, you know. But she was sitting there, and she just walked out, and she said, I'm really proud of you. You did a good job. And, and, um, and Jenna, just uh, for everybody who's ever seen her on the Today Show, uh, just to finish this, this segment up, I, I will say that I don't recall meeting a famous person who was any more down-to-earth and real and genuine than she was. And I think a lot of times we see people on television and we think, I wonder if they're really like that. Or then they find out they do something really stupid. But she's like that. And it was really powerful. And um, I'm just so grateful to the Junior League for giving me the opportunity to be able to meet her. Because it was so funny because I heard they were coming to to New Orleans, the Mm -hmm. Today Show. And I thought, man, this might be a chance for me to actually get to meet her. This would be really great. The next day, the phone calls, and it's the junior leg saying, hey, we'd like you to come meet her in Jackson. So that was your first time meeting her? Yeah, I never met her in person. I've I've talked to her online. Oh, okay. Yeah, never met her in person. So it was... um, it was really cool, and I got some neat pictures out of it. Yay, you know, and that kind of thing. So, it was um, the second best thing that happened over the weekend. Um, the best was I got to see my two older boys. Yeah. So and I don't get to see them enough. So, but at the end of the day, it was pretty darn cool. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. You really, have, I mean, you impacted not only their family, just like you said, others, but that really touched the Bush family in a super special way. And it just reverberated. And you meeting her and her reaction to you is proof of that. Yeah, it really was. And um, I, I'm just like I said, I was just grateful for the for the opportunity and the chance. And, um, you know, like I said, we're all artists. We all wake up every day. We all have a blank canvas we can do with whatever we want to do with it. And I was able to do two cartoons out of 7,500 I've done here in Mississippi in the 25 years I've done this. Uh, coming December is my 25th anniversary of being here. Oh, congrats, um, Thanks. And no, 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 I probably won't even get a watch. But it was, um, <laughs> it was pretty darn cool. I really, really think it was great. And speaking of pretty darn cool, we have got a really darn cool guest here. This Somebody that, believe it or not, speaking of 25 years, was one of the first people that I met when I moved here to Jackson. So it's pretty darn cool. So there you go. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to have a conversation with StuPot Executive Director, the Reverend Jill Barnes-Buckley, and tell us a little bit about StuPot's efforts this Thanksgiving season. So say, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hey, 
Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Uh, let's continue our conversation with our guest today, StuPot Executive Director, the Reverend Jill Barnes Buckley. Tell us a little bit about Stupot's effort this Thanksgiving season. Jill, it's good to see you again. It's nice to catch up with you. Um, you know, like I said, uh, I think literally you and, and Paul, your husband, were probably some of the first people we met when we moved to Jackson a million and a half years ago. And you haven't changed. So I just want to let you know, is it true that you drink formaldehyde every single day <laughs> to not age? I don't. I don't I don't know what the secret is, Marshall, but I'm happy to pass it on to you when I figured it out. Because you're doing really good work. I think that's Thank what it is. You're helping people. And so that keeps you young. I'm not, well, and I'm so. aging daily, so it's it's a terrible thing. So <laughs> Well me too. I'm not that far behind you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think what's going to happen, at least in my case, probably what's going to happen is I'm. You know, I'll be fifty four uh, in a month, and when I hit that day, it's probably I'm just going to suddenly my hair is going to turn white and go boop and fall out, and then because um, I've already had the back surgery, so I'm already walking like I'm ninety, so I might as well look like I'm ninety, which is nothing wrong with that. My dad got to be a good looking guy when he hit ninety, but you know, anyway. Thank you for being here today. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh my gosh, always good to see you, and um, you know, I love. Of course, I knew you back before you went to school to become a reverend. I knew mm-hmm. you back before the Stupont. You've, what, done five years now you've been at Stupont? Yeah, this is my fifth year as the executive director. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's did, gone by quickly. Okay, so 25 years ago, did you ever think, you know what, I think someday I'm going to be head of Stupont? <laughs> I didn't think that five years ago. <laughs> so uh, it was as much a surprise to me as it was probably to anyone else. There are probably a few people who thought it would be a good idea, at least the search committee for now, the well, executive apparently director. Apparently they, they thought it was a good idea, yeah. But actually I wrote them an email, that all the people I can remember being on the search committee I wrote them an email on October the 30th reminding them that it had been five years since my interview and just saying thank you for giving me a chance. Yeah. Because every year when that rolls around, I think about them and I think about that interview and I think like, wow, am I really doing this? It's kind of that surreal out-of-body experience like you yeah. were talking about with uh, Jenna Bush Hager is that it's such a it's such a privilege and I had no idea that I would be capable of it, but I've had a lot of people who uh, have really come alongside and helped just because they love Stew Pot. Some people yeah. love me, but a lot of people love Stew Pot. And so it's been an extraordinary experience of just watching how the community can come together to support a really good effort. Yeah, you know, I remember it was the church we joined when we first moved here really supported Stew Pot a lot. Oh, we big went, time. yeah, we did a lot of volunteer work there and, and so mm-hmm. forth. And, I just really kind of fell in love with with all the work that you did back, Mm -hmm. even that back 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and what the work they've done. It's just an incredible concept. And it's one that has changed and evolved and grown. And but I think about your five years and the last five years and some of the challenges you faced, particularly in the last two years, um, you probably never would have seen any of this coming. 
No, I mean, really, no one did. I mean, everybody really has had to reach deep yeah. um, over the past couple of years to make the change, the necessary changes. And Stewpot is definitely one of those places where we had to get really clear about what we can do and right. what we can't do. Uh, I consider it a great honor to have been at Stewpot during this time because it was uh, it was trying. But it really was an opportunity to see just the best of all of our staff who showed up with the same compassion and courage and commitment every day that they have, you know, the whole time. But it was just, a you know, an extraordinary time. But also to see how the community responded, because Jackson in the Jackson metro area uh, is extraordinarily generous. And the way that I think about StuPod really is neighbor helping neighbor. So Marshall and Java, I like my I suspect. Oh, no, we would never help each other, would we, Java? Well, I suspect (laughs) that if y'all had more time on your hands, you weren't working full time and taking care of families, that you would be at StuPod helping your neighbors. But there's a lot of folks who just can't do that, but they're counting on us to do it. So they just, it's kind of a pass through. So we are the ones who you give us the blessing to pass on to others. And that's our job. It's our job just to pass it on. And so we just witness a lot of miracles yeah. at Stu Pot because of generosity, because of the way that, <laughs> that things can multiply when they're given for the right reason. So it, it's a, it's an extraordinary place. I think for many, many years, it was always fun when I would actually draw physical hard copy cartoons. Then if a politician wanted it, I'd make them cut a check to Stupot. We appreciate that. And you that, can still do that if you would well, like. No, I just don't have an original anymore, so it's it's a little harder to do. I can't just hand over my iPad to them and oh, you know, do that. that. But that said, mm-hmm. but it still was fun. It was fun mm-hmm. you know, to be able to help. And I'm not giving myself a halo here, but I was just fun. There were some politicians it was just fun to make them write that check to Stupot. That, that was kind of my kind of joy I got out of it a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what what did Jill do before that she went to Stupot? Because some folks may not know a little bit about your background. Well, actually, um, I worked at Stupot in the late 90s. And I was the first ever director of volunteer services. So um, Stupot, my experience at Stupot really kind of set the trajectory of my life, which makes it really appropriate that I kind of came back to offer uh, some of my skills and a lot of my passions and energies to Stupot. But um, I was the director of volunteer services. Then I went to school at Boston University School of Theology to get my Master of Divinity. But then I worked as an associate pastor at Northminster Baptist Church, uh, where I was ordained and did a lot of work with the community. So, I mean, it was it is still a walk in faith, though, every day, going and help folks. Yes, it yeah, is. Definitely. Yes, it is. So, um so really, honestly, they knew about you when the search committee came around. It's like, oh, yeah, that Jill, uh, what's her name? Um, I can't remember. But anyway, she was really good at doing, helping with the volunteers and doing some of that. Tell us a little bit how you've changed in the last five years since you've done this. Wow. So I think that I, I remember actually at the very the end of the very first year of leading Stupot that the board asked me this question. And my gut response was, I'm a lot more resilient than I thought yeah. I was, <laughs> because um, I one thing I had to do was learn how to accept the mantle of leadership. You know, I'm, I'm very much about, let's all get in there and work together and make it happen. But um, <laughs> there are certain things that I had to just kind of say, oh, wait, I'm the one who needs to make that decision now. <laughs> and yeah. that's my responsibility, and I'm accountable for that. So, um, so I think... 
hopefully I've become better at leading. Uh, I would say that I feel like I have a, um, at least for now, just a deeper well of of compassion, yeah. both uh, for for not just for the people who come to Stupot because they they need food or clothing or shelter, but for people who come to Stupot for other reasons because they have a need to serve. So, um, so I, hopefully that's what I bring every day. It's just an awareness and presence and a kindness that kind of helps all that stuff kind of happen in a way that's uh, healing for people. I think one of the greatest things, and this was a long time ago, but they, they allowed the volunteers to kind of move them from behind the – you know, handing out the food and but actually going and sitting and meeting mm-hmm. with the people that were getting the food. And I felt like that was like such a huge learning experience to allow you to develop empathy and getting to learn mm-hmm. about, you know, what other people were going through a little bit in life. And I think that's the beauty of Stew Pot. Yeah, thank you. I agree. We just this past week, you know, for the whole length of the pandemic, we've been um, giving people to go plates, yeah. like, you know, pass through to go and you can go, you know, eat it outside just to keep everyone safe. And just last week for the first time, we started allowing people the opportunity to sit down if they chose. So you can leave if you want to, or you can sit down and eat if you want to. And, and I was there most every day and, um, and encouraged all of our staff to sit down and volunteers to sit down and eat mm-hmm. with folks. And I got to have some great conversations with people I haven't seen in a while, mostly people who, um, our guest at Stew Pot Lunch, and uh, just haven't had an opportunity to talk, right? Yeah. So it's just like catching up with old friends. Uh, and that, I think, is the thing that changes me most, not not <laughs> being at Stew Pot. Stew Pot does important things every day, but it's really the real, the real human connection with yeah. people who are going through a really tough time, but you figure out that, you know, there's a lot of things that really connect you. And one of the most important things you can do is offer just a real kind of a good presence, yeah. a good kind of presence to people. Sometimes you can go get them, you know, a toothbrush and toothpaste or you can, you know, just make sure they have what they need. But having a listening ear is equally as important. Yeah, the one thing I've learned about trauma over the years of, of studying it, it's not like I'm some expert on it, but that if there is somebody who cares – and that mm-hmm. you feel like is in your corner, but mm-hmm. that goes a long way toward healing yeah. the, the long-term effects of it. It's about so much more than, than meeting the physical need. Yeah. It is. It's the whole thing is seeing people as multidimensional, which they all are. Definitely. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue with our guest, Stupot Executive Director, Jill Barnes-Buckley, and tell us a little bit about Stupot's efforts this Thanksgiving season and some of the changes that they're making and all, just all kinds of good stuff. Anyway, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey from Mississippi Today. Hey, let's continue our conversation with, of course, uh, the Reverend Jill Barnes-Buckley, the Executive Director of StuPot, who's been there for five whopping long years now, which the last two have seen like five decades, I'm sure. But, um, you know, we were just in between the break a little bit. I've always said that probably the one minute that you miss – Usually, some of the best conversations. You had a really good point about the pandemic, and we'll talk about the P word a little bit. 
um, that, you know, your son, who's, you know, he's nine, <laughs> he'll probably be interviewed when he's 89 about what, what it was like during this time. I think about because my grandmother was like 13 when the, the 1918 flu hit, or she's a little mm-hmm. bit younger than mm-hmm. that, but she remembered it. She remembered the mm-hmm. fear and all the stuff that went on. She was telling me about that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty amazing when you think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So looking at um, the changes that StuPot's had to make in the last two years, because you, you've had kind of a double whammy. You've had suddenly you have to follow all these guidelines because what you do is an in-person ministry, obviously, and we couldn't be in person, you know. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that? You have financial concerns, and then, oh, yeah, the need is grown exponentially. How did you manage to juggle all three of those things? Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we became very clear about what was what is it we could do and needed to do. Where do we spend our energy right now? You know, since last March, just had to make some quick decisions. We decided that probably the best place to spend our our energies were around food and making yeah. sure people had enough to eat, around shelter, making sure people could get still get out of the elements and have a place to to be safe. And around kids and families. So we have an uh, after-school program and summer camp that, that over the course of a year will serve nearly 200 kids and teenagers. So so we we just kind of rallied around those three things and yeah. kind of let some of the other things go for a little while. Um, but we um, – in terms of, like, how did we do it uh, very carefully. Yeah. So – we tried to be, you know, StuPot, uh, we have a lot of staff members who have some kind of underlying health condition, mm-hmm. but we serve a lot of people who have underlying health conditions, particularly through our shelters, through the Opportunity Center Day Shelter and through the Billy Brumfield Men's Shelter. And so part of our concern was, well, how do we do our best to keep them safe? We we just had to have a lot of conversation, and probably like all institutions, had to keep coming back to that conversation about every two or three months. Like, what are we doing to help make sure that we're safe and we're keeping other people safe? So we are still a masked campus, for example. Yeah. So we just assume that the the ratio of people who are who are vaccinated is about the same as the rest of the state of Mississippi. And so we just don't want to take any risks. There are folks who have COPD. There are folks who have asthma and diabetes and are going through chemo and who are, you know, have HIV. We just don't want to um, – and, and we don't want to put anybody at risk. And we have had so few cases That's incredible. at StuPot that yeah. it's really – it is really kind of remarkable. Yeah, definitely on that. How have the – of course, obviously, you know, you have always been famous for having these wonderful, giant, in-person fundraisers. Mm-hmm. How did your volunteers respond, the local churches respond? How, what were some of the ways that you were able to kind of adjust to be able to try to get money to come in to mm-hmm. be able to help you? Well, the sponsors for our events have been very understanding about not being able to have in-person event, events, but knowing that we were not only continuing our ministry, but we were... Uh, under extra strain and so the sponsors of those events were really like we just we really want to support you anyway right uh, although this year we've done a couple of virtual events and we have one coming up this thursday yeah actually. i was going to make sure that you told yeah, everybody about you. that one um so so we've you know we've like everybody else we figured out how to do a few things virtually 
But the Jackson community and our supporters have uh, been incredible. People just know. People know that their neighbors are going through a hard time, Mm -hmm. and they want to know what they can do to help. And they know that StuPot is one of those places where neighbors can get help. And so we had, whenever we had a particular need, we would reach out to congregations or we would just notify funders. And, you know, 99% of the time people were able to help us meet those needs. We also have been able to apply for some of that CARES Act money that came through. So that helped pay for emergency shelter. And we have street outreach workers now that can go out to people. You know, that's been also really good to help us, you know, kind of tweak what we do to make ourselves more available. You know, you were talking about your leadership, and obviously, you know, even is it's so hard because you can't set up policies because things wax and wane with this pandemic. You know, one minute, mm-hmm. oh, well, the cases are down to, you know, 100. That's great. Oh, that's back up to 1,800. You know, we got the Delta wave coming through. But, I mean, you talk about your leadership, but this isn't something you're doing alone. You have a good team there, too, don't you? We have a fantastic team, and our board is fantastic. We have a lot of volunteers who, um, you know, can show up still. Even yeah. if they can't show up, they um, they send goods to us, food and, and monetary donations. But our staff really has been incredible because, like all of us, you know, I've Last March, mm-hmm. when everything started kind of falling apart, was actually in last April, uh, we found out that my husband needed surgery. And then Benjamin went uh, <laughs> went virtual. Yeah. And Stu Pot was kind of also going through a lot of change. And uh, and so it's just everything is happening at once. And that, that just wasn't my family. It was a lot of yeah. people's families. And so one thing that was just encouraging is like, we are going to help each other make it through. And that's how our staff has been. That's how, you know, neighbors have been. So it just is a commitment. I mean, Jackson is a wonderful place full of really wonderful people who are just going to help you make it through. Yeah, I've always talked about that, the chainsaws and casseroles thing. Yes, you, you that's know, exactly right. Literally, if your house gets hit by the tornado, there will be a church van in your front yard filled with people with chainsaws sure. and casseroles. And, right. and we've seen that. And talk about, you know, you're having to literally do this on the fly. And now the pandemic, and I'm doing air quotes, is over, even though it's still going, but it's not as bad now. Thankfully, we're able to open up. We're able to go do some things. But there seems to be just kind of a, I don't know, I think we're all kind of walking around right now in a mental health type blah, you know. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you're seeing with the community and with with people that are in need right now uh, post-pandemic, if if we're truly in that? I mean, we may Mm -hmm. not get another wave tomorrow. You never know. Sure. Well, so the need for uh, reliable sources of food mm-hmm. continue and shelter. Uh, one very interesting and unique thing, excuse me, that happened in our shelter system as a whole when the CDC released its guidelines for bed spacing yeah. for shelters, oh, for wow. congregate shelters during the pandemic. It reduced the capacity system-wide, so not just Supot, but all the shelters. And so it's this we're constantly figuring out how to make up the difference and make sure that you know there is money out there right now to get people housed okay well how do we how do we make sure that people who want to get housed get housed and stay housed right now or you know how do we make sure that there's enough beds so like next week it's going to be it's going to fall below 40s overnight so how do we make sure there's enough beds for people to go to sleep in and stay safe but not put anybody at risk because of the pandemic. Yeah. Like these are conversations that are happening. Fortunately, 
between Stewpot and Gateway and Salvation Army and the city and, you know, all the interested parties. So it's that's really given us an opportunity to like, get on Zoom and talk to each other and kind of find, you know, creative solutions. Um, we what I have heard uh, from my staff, because I'm not really on the ground in the programs as much as I would like to be, but. The place where the need seems to be the greatest right now is with our children and teenagers on our after-school program. Um, Not that – I mean, there's always a mental health crisis among people who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, But where it seems like it's really raining – right now yeah. is uh is with children and teenagers really mm-hmm. and just needing some uh kind of that social emotional support i mean they need academic support uh of course always but just figuring out you know how to to help them just get along with each other right. you know, how to help them kind of unpack what's been happening to them over the past 18 months or two years and so that's that's where some of our concerns are right now and that right now is the thing that we're trying to figure out how we're going to address. How are we going to help our kids and teenagers and their families who are already in stressful situations, right? Because they already are have physical needs, which is mm-hmm. why we know them. Right. How are we going to help them address some of those those layers of need that um, that are going to, you know, that that kind of thing will continue to impact them throughout their school their, you know, their school history. If, if we can't figure out how to address it and we want to. I know. You just, little things. You know, you can think about it. Like, for instance, my son's in the marching band, and half the band had never marched before this yeah. season. You know, because right. of that. And then, you know, my wife teaches K through to art. And, and, you know, you think about a lot of those kids that never even been to preschool. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with kids that don't know how to interact and yeah. so forth. and. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I've been working from home a lot, and I've gotten really good at talking to my dog, and she talks back. But I'm not real good at talking with people anymore, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. except for this radio show, which I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm okay at. But I mean, you, you still, you're just kind of like, I yeah. can't carry on a conversation. So yeah, it is yeah. kind of interesting watching that dynamic yeah. on there. Let me ask you this: When you know, did you see a change in? The, the people who were coming in? Was it people that maybe maybe they were restaurant workers? Maybe they were people that had lost their job because they, you know, everything had been shut down. Did you notice a change in, in, in your clientele a little bit? So, I, you know, we don't, for, especially for the community kitchen, but also for the pantry, I would only, we would only capture that kind of information kind of anecdotally. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, is that while we don't kind of have all that stuff written down or tracked, we did see an increase in numbers and people that we'd never seen before. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, I mean, we, we had to figure out how to kind of shift and make sure we could do as much as was needed at that time. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the numbers have grown. Even and, and people have noticed this all over the city. The numbers of people who are experiencing homelessness have grown. Yeah. Part of that is because the shelters aren't, you know, don't have the same capacity, but because there is more of a crisis with people becoming homeless, or even people who are coming to Jackson because Jackson has resources that yeah. other places don't. And I don't fault anybody for that. Um, so. Again, it's about trying to figure out with all the all the pieces of the system, you know, what part does Stewpot play, right? And how can we play that part to the best of our ability? And how can we lean on our other the other agencies, the gateways, and the Salvation Armies, and the city? And how can we make sure we're all in conversation and working together 
so that you know the we can kind of help solve the problems together as opposed to just being in silos definitely on that uh, what, what are you doing special this year for thanksgiving so we are as every year we are giving out our thanksgiving baskets mm-hmm. uh we do this at christmas at uh, thanksgiving and at christmas mm-hmm. um Marshall, before the pandemic, we were giving out about 300 each holiday. Last year, we gave out 800 at each holiday. And this year, I posted something on Instagram and Facebook um, this past week that we had 500 people signed up. Since I posted that, we have signed up 100 more people. So we're going to be doing uh, 600 uh, Thanksgiving baskets. And that's entirely community-supported. If you want to contribute to that, you can go to our website and give us money. You can go to Kroger and buy uh, food and drop it off at Stew Pot. Um, we will be serving a Thanksgiving meal. Um, fortunately, because we try to help people have their own Thanksgiving meal in their homes with their own friends and family, it's not going to be as packed as what we might have on a regular day. The only people who will be coming will be those who like literally do not have any other place to go or cannot cook because they do not have electricity uh, at their home. So um, so we're doing the same thing we're always doing, just trying to make it a little bit easier on folks. We're going to take our last break, and when we return, we'll wrap up our conversation with Jill Barnes-Buckley, the Executive Director of Stew Pot, in the season of thankfulness. The phone lines are still open, so if you got a question or comment, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That is 877-672-7464. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Hey, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, the editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. And we've had a great conversation today. Thank you for joining us. Of course, you listening means the world to all of us here at MPB. Um, got a great conversation. Of course, you know, this is the season of thankfulness, even though I, I did slip up over the weekend and listen to Christmas music, I have to admit it. But Thanksgiving's on the horizon, and we've been talking with Jill Barnes-Buckley, who's the executive director of Stew Pot for the last five years. Amazing. Uh, talking about the needs a little bit, Jill. You know, um, of course, Stew Pot Financial, y'all are holding your own. you got some CARES Act money. That's some good things. Everybody stepped up to the plate. But obviously, you do have needs, and you've kind of mentioned it before, but I think it's worth mentioning it again. What are some of the things that, you know, if somebody's listening right now, they could go do today or even tomorrow to help Stew Pot? Well, I think that if you're a person who um, still is trying to be very careful about the pandemic and you're being very measured about where you go and what you do, then something that's always needed is a financial contribution. You know, Stu Pot knows how to make a little bit go a very long way. We yeah. have a very long history of doing that. And uh, that's easy to to donate through our website at www.stupot.org or just to send something to us um, at you know at our location 1100 West Capitol Street uh, right now we are giving away lots of food like I said to make sure that yeah. everybody has enough for their own uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas meals and so when you're at Kroger you want to grab some extra you know non-perishable food items that would be great we probably have enough vegetables other things like you know macaroni 
and cheese or stuffing mix or pasta or, you know, sugar. Those are the kinds of things that we're going to need. I got to tell you a quick vegetable story. So when I was a janitor, they gave canned goods to give to the, to the custodians. That was that was the Christmas thing. So none of the other custodians like corn. I ended up with 157 <laughs> cans of corn. And when we cleaned up my mom's house, there was still corn in that house. So just to let you know, we have a caller right now. Hello, caller. Welcome to the show. How, what's your question or comment for Jill? Yeah, yeah this... I was going to ask her if she's been in communication with the uh, congressional delegation about anything that would help uh, social services in, in Jackson uh, related to the uh, social uh, infrastructure. The upcoming bill that they're that are talking about right now, the one that didn't get uh, approved, is this what you're talking about? Uh, correct. Yeah. Uh, I have not. Um I have not, but I would welcome any conversation with anyone who wants to have more information about what's needed on the ground. All right. Thank you so much. That was that was a good question, a good comment as well. You know, you got the virtual cooking school coming up. Um, you know, red beans and rice has always been the one of the big thing in the taste of Mississippi or two are my favorites. I, I've, I've judged that in the past. That's always mm-hmm. a lot thank of fun. Uh, tell us a little bit about the virtual cooking school. So uh, we were hoping to have an in-person event, Red Beans and Rice Festival. It's one of our favorite things to do. It's a family festival, delicious food, great music. But uh, as the Delta variant started surging, we realized that it was just uh, too risky. So fortunately, we have such good friends in the restaurant world. Derek Emerson and Connor Wolf um, offered to do a a virtual cooking class for us, which they're going to be doing this coming Thursday mm-hmm. at Livingston. And uh, and basically, they're just going to be teaching those of us who are not cooks like myself how to how to make uh, red beans and rice. So that's a uh, you may be able to still sign up for that. You can go to red beans. And actually, I think it's better to go to our regular website, stewpot.org, and then just click on events to find it to, oh, to, cool. to buy a ticket to that. So, and it's one of those things where you, if you can't attend on that night, you can still have the link and, and watch the show afterwards. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, I, I could use a little cooking help. It would definitely do <laughs> well, me some good. Me too. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> a lot. Well, you can't be super person and run around and do all the things and come, you know. So. Thank you, Marshall. So there you go. I'm just helping you out a Thank little you. bit there, a little bit. Um, do you have any other fundraisers coming up or just basically people can click on Stu Potts' website and say, oh, here's – because, you know, the nice thing about money, and I found this out as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, gifts from my grandparents when I got that big $10 mm-hmm. bill that I would get mm-hmm. every year and even until mm-hmm. when I was 20 years old because $10 went a long way when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Um well, back then you could buy a house for $25, but still, <laughs> the point is money just solves a lot of problems, doesn't it? Yeah, it helps us cover a lot of bases. Um, you know, one thing that we do during uh, during the holiday season is we offer the opportunity to give – for people to give money in honor of someone. So, oh, cool. so Marshall, you could send us a – contribution and we would send uh, java for example a note that says that you know marshall and amy have had uh have made a contribution on on your you know in honor of you and so you know we have lots so java's of over there looking like going so, okay go ahead and write the check i was just gonna say thank you marshall that's yeah, so kind of you. That. <laughs> so, so yeah so that's an option especially if there's folks in your life that um are hard to buy for yeah or just this is a different way of giving um there's so many items so much stuff out in our world right now um and it's just one way to to kind of stem all the stuff 
keep us from buying more stuff. That's really a great idea because I was sitting there, you know, Amy keeps asking, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? Because mine are like four days apart between the two. And I'm just thinking, I really don't want anything. And I think that would be a perfect gift to give one in the honor of Java. <laughs> and I said, I'll be looking for that. I'll be looking for that. John's Java. like, oh, I'm going to have to fill in as your producer more often. Oh, thank <laughs> you. That would be great you know, on that as well. And, um, well, have you got any big plans for Thanksgiving? I'm going to spend time with my family. Uh, I do want to be, I am going to be at Stewpot on Thanksgiving Day yeah. so I can sit down and enjoy meal with our community. Um, but I'm going to be with my family. Uh, thank goodness. Um, you know, my, my entire family has been through COVID. I'm the only person in my family who has not gotten COVID. How did you manage that? I have no idea. And so, um, and so, you know, it's just going to be fun to be together without all that worry now that we're all vaccinated. What's the number one thing in the last 30 seconds that you're thankful for? Number one thing. Oh, just so the one. Okay, one. Okay, just a couple. I mean, you can throw out two. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, right now today, I'm thankful for my sweet son, um, who is just still so cute and innocent and full of energy and drives me crazy. But he's uh, wonderful, and I love being his mom. I am thankful also for Stewpot. Stewpot does a lot of really great things. We're not perfect. We will never be perfect. But because of the wonderful people who support us, including staff, uh, we can do a lot of great things when we do it together. Website one more time. www.stewpot.org. You were perfect today. Thank you, Jill. Appreciate oh, it. Thanks. Sir. All right. I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to thank our guest, Jill Buckley Barnes, the executive director of Stewpot, talking a little bit about their needs. And remember to watch, you know, maybe to check in, maybe to make a donation as well. Now you're talking as production of MPB Think Radio is produced by the incredible Java Chapman. Hey, stay tuned. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell is joining us next week for more great conversations here on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.